As many of you know, prior to my current position as an administrator, I was an art teacher. Although many don't realize it, the skills I gained from being an art teacher translated to my leadership experience. My guest today answered this question, how important is creativity in leadership and what aspects of art can be essential skills needed to be an aspiring leader? This week's guest, Matt Laura Grundler, explained the power of art education and how creativity enhances leadership effectiveness. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I have two of some of my favorite people on this earth. I have worked with them personally, professionally. They are amazing. This is Matt and Laura Grunler, and thank you both for being on the podcast. Well, thank Absolutely. you, Josh. Thank it's you. really nice to be with you, somebody we, we know personally yes. and has the same love of art, and, that, art that we do, art and leadership. And professionally. Yeah. This is a little bit different because I've got the both of you, you're, you're a married couple doing artwork and leading <laughs> through a whole host of different ways. But for the listeners, will you just explain what you do in education and how you're leading not only your campus, but through other avenues? Well... I have been an educator, I can't believe it, this is my 20th year in education. I spent seven years as an art teacher at the middle school and high school level. And then my principal, who actually is my superintendent now, and I adore (laughs) her, um, said, hey, have you ever thought about getting a master's degree and becoming an administrator? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Never never thought about that. And in fact, my mom, who had been a teacher forever, was like, that's the dark side. What are you doing? And I did it. I became an administrator. And I actually got a job as an administrative intern before I had even finished my master's degree. And I moved over to a high school in uh, our school district. And I was there as an intern for one year. Finished my master's degree, became a an assistant principal at Plano East, which at the time we had um, about 3,400 students. We were very large, yep. and that's only two grade levels, 11th and 12th grade. <laughs> and it was really my job to help kids graduate. We had a lot of struggling students, and it was fun being at East because those were the kids that I had taught in the 9th and 10th grade. And so I got to reconnect with all those kids. When I was there, our family was growing. We had gone from one child to two. It was a big job. And being at a senior high is a lot of varsity nights and a lot of time away from the family. And so I decided that I kind of maybe wanted to go back to middle school. I always liked middle school. And I applied within our district to move. And I got picked up to go to a Title I middle school. And most of my experience in both teaching and leadership, actually all of it, has been at Title I schools, now that I think of it. Because mm-hmm. when I taught in California, my first two years were in California, mm-hmm. that was a Title I school. Mm-hmm. All my schools have been Title I. And so I moved over to a middle school here in town and um, had a really good experience there. We had our third child while I was there. And it was a really hectic seven-year journey of being an assistant principal. And I really was at this place and crosswords in my life. Of, we had grown our family. I had done a lot of things I wanted to do to help children, but there was something missing. And the thing that was missing for me was art. I have an artist soul and I believe in the power of art to heal and help people. And I just was really struggling with, do I go back to teaching and teaching art or where do I go with this? Because I love leadership 
but I need art in my life. And at that time, I'm getting chills right now <laughs> because it, the door opened and the, the person who had my current job previously came to me at a principal's meeting and said, you need to start getting your resume ready. I'm going to be retiring. Hmm. There aren't a lot of jobs. My current role is art coordinator for K through 12. And I think that's going to be ex- expanding probably in the near future to pre-K through 12. Right. You know, it's a great job and there just aren't a lot of districts that have a job like mine. I knew that there would be a lot of competition for the role. I just worked hard to make sure that I got the job <laughs> and, I, and I've been doing this for almost six years and I love it immensely. I, I tend to be a workaholic. I believe in servant leadership. My idea is that if I can help my teachers succeed, then they're helping kids have an amazing experience in the art room. And it's my job to advocate for them on all levels, because as the specials teacher or as the elective teacher, sometimes they're not seen in the same light as uh, a core teacher that has a tested subject area. And so I have to advocate for that. And uh, and we do that through the district, but I, Matt and I also do that outside of our roles. That's kind of what I do. That's my nutshell. That's my journey. <laughs> and Matt's been with me the whole way. I mean, we got married right before my first year of teaching. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> um, how do you top that story? I am in year 16. But originally I started out, actually my degree was in graphic design. So I hadn't really plan on becoming a teacher. Both of my parents were former former teachers. And I swore I was one of those people, just like Laura and I, we had lots of conversations about how we were not going to become teachers. And we swore that was not going to happen. And teachers, kids. things work the way they do. And I started getting more and more people saying, you know, you should really go into teaching. And so I actually got my certification originally not in art, but I was looking at the third through fifth grade alternative certification. And Laura was like, why don't you take a look at the art stuff since you already have all these art classes? And, you know, I looked at it and it was, it was so many things that I already checked off because I had taken art and all the classes I took in college. I was teaching elementary art, so K through five for 14 years and really made an impact on the kids and the kids learning as our own children started, actually, they went with me to the elementary school. And so that was that was a big plus because I got to use what I love to do, which was make and build. And it wasn't necessarily so much drawing and painting, but it was the making and the building. And I saw with my own son, his love of doing it digitally, like playing Minecraft and things like that. And I started to really pull those connections into the art room and, and students I saw who may have been struggling in other in other subject areas, all of a sudden we're just flourishing. And so Well, I would say you started to flourish at that time too. I did too you, because you made a big jump in I, your own. I made that that connection, you know, that dot of, you know, how this can be cross-curricular. And as I was getting toward the end of my elementary teaching career, I, you know, I wanted to be able to do more. I was pushing lessons that would extend more than just one class period, you know, for an elementary kid. And we're looking at almost like a whole week's worth of time because you only see them once a week. And they were things that I wanted to do and I wanted to pursue further and put my name out there as far as transferring to the middle school. I knew high school wasn't for me and ended up getting a teaching job teaching middle school. And so now I've been teaching. I'm actually split. I'm at one campus in the morning and one in the afternoon, which has actually been really nice because I'm able to travel and I come home, really kind of get myself ready for you know, the transition of 
campuses. And I've loved middle school. I love the fact that I get to see them every single day. I, I've really found myself even pushing further. I was starting to really embrace a leadership role at the elementary level. I was starting to connect with the different grade levels and showing them how it would connect with, you know, whatever topic they were teaching. Matt, I know you're really big about cross-curricular instruction. How are you doing that at the middle school level? I love my go-to, and I see that more and more now at the middle school level, but my connection, my biggest connection is always science. My dad was a, a retired high school science teacher, and that I hated it at the moment, but now I see all of this information that I'm able to pull and to see kids who are just like, well, I'm taking art because I need this fine art credit or, and then, but they're maybe a really diehard robotics kid or they're a diehard science kid, you know, then they all of a sudden start making those connections. And that's, I love being able to, to break down those, those kinds of things. And I've been working more and more with other subject areas and trying to just show that cross-curricular that we do. Laura, I know that growing up, you both had some challenges you had to overcome. How have you used those experiences as an educator? So something that's maybe also unique about Matt and I is that we both have learning challenges. I was diagnosed with dyslexia. My mother was an amazing teacher as well, and she caught it very early. And so I was diagnosed with dyslexia in the first grade. I would say that I probably have a touch of ADD as well, but there are things that I think have helped us be better teachers. Well, and I wasn't diagnosed until, until I was 41. Yeah, 41 with um, ADHD. As as my son was being diagnosed, it's not that I was like projecting it onto myself, but then I started seeing the things that he was struggling with, the organization and the, the managing of time and the distraction. Yeah, we all get distracted, of course, but I started really reflecting on it and I started to see where I was struggling in school, especially the elementary level where I was struggling in school. And I also saw where the successes were. And that was where I started to really understand. And I think that changed how I was teaching art to make those connections elsewhere. Um, You know, those things I saw in my subject areas, like making a diorama in history or making a, a poster about you know, literature, some kind of literature diagram, like actually making it just makes it so much more rounded and and the learning just becomes so much deeper. And and I think that's those things you remember. Yeah. For kids that have any kind of learning challenges or difficulties, I mean, we talk about differentiation, but we're we're not always really good at it. And I think that the arts are the perfect platform for true differentiation Mm -hmm. and giving kids that outlet. And I think both Matt and I would tell you that if we hadn't had art in our lives, you know, Matt's parents were really good about saying, you know, you've got to have something physical, athletic, and then you have to have some kind of art in your life, whether that's music or mm-hmm. the visual arts or, you know, there art. had to be, there had to be a balance. And, you know, everybody right now in the situations that we're in, everyone's trying to strike that balance. And I know Laura and I have really talked about the, the difference in education. I think we're really at this important and amazing crossroads of where to go with education. We really believe that this strange time is going to be a huge turning point in a good way for all of education. And I think we're going to have the ability to evaluate and reevaluate and think about how we actually do things and talking about blended learning and cross-curricular learning and project-based learning and really giving kids the right format for them. Uh, You know, I was in a chat yesterday with some high school teachers and they were saying, you know, the kids that they've struggled with in the classroom throughout the year 
they're amazed by the things that they're turning in mm-hmm. from home. Yep. And then the kids that are really, that have thrived throughout the year in, in really with, are, are kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting to, to really hear them think about and reflect. And we, we really believe in reflection as a part of the teaching practice. Mm-hmm. And I think this is giving all educators some time to really reflect, reflect on, on, themselves. on themselves and on their, and on their students. students. So Laura, we have a lot in common in the sense that we both were art teachers and now administrators. And going up through that process of being an art teacher, did you find that there was a stigma that you had to break through to show that you were able to be an administrator? 120 billion percent, yes. I don't know what that's about, Josh, but like going to art school, and I mean, I I did a double major in art and education, and it was hard. It wasn't easy. I don't know why people think art is easy. I'm always baffled by that. We go to school for this. It's not something that, you know, you just decide to do one day. Oh, I'm good at painting, so I'm going to be an art teacher. Mm -hmm. No, you have to be able to do photography and fibers and printmaking and painting and drawing and ceramics and sculpture. And the list goes on and on and on and on the things we have to know. And you have to be somewhat decent at all of those things. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the opposite should be true. If I was hiring a a young administrator that had come through the art ranks, I would think, oh my gosh, this is a unicorn because the ability to be flexible and understand. And, you know, if there's, if there's any subject area that allows you as a teacher to really get to know your kids and understand the importance of rapport, and understand that the SEL and, and the things that kids will tell you in an art room that they're not going to tell their math teacher, holy cow. I, I never really understood that, but that's because probably coming up through art, I saw the value and the well-roundedness, you know, like Matt was saying, the connectedness. I mean, if you can't do math, you can't mat a piece of artwork. I had an administrator. He did it on purpose because he knew it got, got me every single time. And he, we, he really, I really adored him. And but he would come in my classroom and say, what are we coloring today? And I just wanted to punch him every single time. And then I had Sarah Bonzer, who's my, my superintendent here in Plano. She would say, you're just as important on the state standardized test as anybody else. He was the one, I think, in my career who really understood that it, it wasn't about the subject area you taught. It was about the leadership skills you had as a human And I think being an art teacher really gives you a lot of those skills that you might not get in other subject areas. And I definitely had to break that. I had to, I felt like I was always having to prove myself. I was the only art person background before you came in, in our district. And then I moved on and then you were the only art person left. I mean, that's pretty sad if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have one assistant principal right now who's, who's an art background. So, I mean, I, I just, I don't understand that mentality, but it's the same mentality that we fight about like, oh, well, I'm not an artist. I can't even draw a stick figure. You know, that nonsense that we hear all the time. It's kind of just this silliness that we, we just have to teach people. I mean, we're teachers. So we have to teach people what the arts really are and that they are challenging and difficult and you can learn to draw. You can learn like all these things. That's, that's why we're teachers. So Matt, I always like talking on the podcast of anyone can be a leader on a campus and it doesn't matter about roles. And for you as a teacher, and maybe there's someone that's listening that is a fine arts teacher and maybe is looking for leadership or wondering how to be a leader on campus as a teacher, you know, what do you do on a campus to affect change? You know, a lot of teachers teach in what we always refer to as a silo. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're always in your room. You're having your lunch in your room. You're planning in your room. You're making phone calls. You're emailing in your room by yourself. What I have found is that getting myself out of the classroom at the end of the day. Yeah, I know we're all tired, but I think the more that you can like connect with other teachers and just I've become really good friends with uh, one of the the English teachers that I have on campus. I'm always showing them like what the kids are doing and they then start getting excited to say, oh my gosh, we're studying, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they start making their own connections. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, hey, can we work together? Or can we plan something? Or um, where my classroom is in the afternoons, I'm actually surrounded by a lot of science teachers. And I kind of, I laugh all the time um, at the irony of it all, because I'm like, you know, my dad who, you know, passed away a, a month ago, I always laugh that he's, he's gotta be, he's gotta be laughing the whole time because I'm, you know, I'm surrounded by all these science teachers and, and here I am making those connections and I'm teaching in a science room. So it's just, it's just funny how, you know, going back almost to the kind of question about what you had asked Laura about, about stereotypes and breaking things down. The kids come in and they're like, this is an art room. This is a science room. And I'm like, well, a little bit of everything. Going back to your question, though, I think just reaching out to other people, just saying, hey, what are you guys working on? What are you doing? And just taking some time to to find a network of people. I mean, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that, that plugs what we do, but we've slowly kind of cultivated this this group of people on Twitter mm-hmm. through K-12 Art Chat. And originally it started out with you know, I was rib Laura about it, but she got, she was getting tired of me bouncing ideas off as she was an administrator in that administrative role, just emotionally drained from, you know, the day. And, and I'd be like, well, how about this idea? How about that idea? And she's like, you got to find somebody to bounce ideas off of. And we, you know, started to find out this Twitter thing and leaps and bounds, just people, everyone is in dire need of that. And I think that's something we got to do is we got to reach out to each other and not you know, just on social media, not but on the campus, on yeah. physically as well as digitally. And I think something too that I see you do a lot is like some days he'll come home late and I'll say, well, why, why were you so late today? You look well, they needed help out in the halls or they needed help out, you know, get at bus duty. I, I'm with you, Josh, that anybody can be a, a leader. You don't have to have the title of team leader. I mean, Matt's never had a title, <laughs> but you know, that, that teacher that is always willing to go and help mm-hmm. and just be there and well, supervise. And, and even, and even just reaching out to your administrator and just saying, Hey, what else can I do? Cause yes. I think sometimes we have to break that stereotype of, Oh, we just sit in our classroom and we just kind of go from clock to clock and then that's it. And then we leave as soon as we can. But if you're out there saying, hey, what else can I do? Or what, what do you, you know, what do you guys need help with? I think that starts to open their eyes a little bit and, and it starts to connect you with other people. And I think that's where that, you know, we always say connect. And yeah. I think it's all about connecting. Well, I'm going to segue because you guys talked about the K-12 art chat and I've had the wonderful chance to not only uh, moderate, but also participate. And you guys do a fabulous job on that Twitter chat. So for those who haven't had an opportunity to join you all, what is that all about? So Matt kind of alluded to this. (laughs) So a little over five years ago when I started in this role and even before that, he's right. I mean, being an administrator in either role, both ways. I mean, even in my current role, it can be emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. And I 
love to talk about education, but at some point in the day, I just have to say I'm done. And it kind of occurred to me that, you know, after having lived with an elementary art teacher for so long, specials, unfortunately, they're the only person on the campus that teaches that subject. And as you know, in our middle schools, a lot of our middle school teachers are the only art teacher. And so we just started thinking about this idea that they're the art teachers in particular, and I'm sure this is it true for a lot of elective type teachers, you know, you're a one-off and it's great to connect with other teachers, but there is something to be said for talking to people that teach your same content area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the, my teachers at the time, her name is uh, Rebecca Bailey. And she said, have you checked out Twitter? And I was like, Oh, Twitter, this doesn't sound like something very educational. Mm-hmm. So she talked me into it. She's very go, go getter, total go getter. And so I checked it out and I was like, man, this is actually kind of cool. And we had this whole conversation about it and I, we decided, well, why don't we try it? We'll give it a try and we'll, well, cause we thought, Hey, surely I can't be the only one who kind of feels this way. And I would say within the first six months, we had people from neighboring states that were like, wait, is this only for your district teachers or can anybody join in? And Laura and I were just like, oh my gosh, there are people in need of this. Yeah. And it hit a nerve. It, it really did. We found the first couple of years was just art teachers. And we started to realize, you know what? It's not just, I mean, art teachers get it. We understand the importance of creativity. We understand the importance of reflection and all of these things that we you know, are so passionate about. We all get it. But we were noticing that there were a lot of people that were just kind of feeling like administrators needed more help or, or other, you know, general classroom or subject areas needed, you know, needed help too. And that thing just, just multiplied even more so with the amount of people. I mean, we have varying from pre-K to administrator to pre-service teachers. I mean, we started to see more and more pre-service teachers um, in the past year now, be involved in this chat. The amount of resources, because it's not just Laura and I running this, it's the fact that the people who host, they come on, they we, we find them through Twitter, yes, or recommendations or resources from other people, you know, in our groups. And we, we have them host whatever subject area that they're interested in. And it's always interesting because it always cycles back and connects back to the importance of creativity and the importance of doing what's right for kids. Mm-hmm. And really, that's where our chat has just really turned a corner immensely. And it's been quite an amazing experience. And everybody who's on there always says the same thing. I can't get over how receptive, how welcoming, and how engaged the whole group of people are that you guys chat with on a weekly basis. It's really the nicest group of people. You know, like we we kind of pride ourselves in being a positive PLN and there are a lot of there are a lot of networks out there. Like there's a huge art teacher Facebook group. There's, you know, I I think we just like Twitter because it's a little bit more concise. There's less room to rant or be negative. And, you know, the chat is a live thing that happens on Thursday nights at 830 Texas time. It's only 30, 45 minutes. It's from 830 to usually 915 is when people are about done. It's it's, it's like the sweet little time period. I mean, in every in every chat, we seem to look at each other and say, oh my gosh, that was a blur because everything was just happening so fast. But it's so great at but the same time. But yeah. It's I mean, like this power 
packed little awesomeness. I mean, when I was teaching elementary school, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm just gonna just do my regular do, you know, what I taught last year and just but once we became very much involved, the people that we were connecting with the ideas that we were connecting with, all of a sudden, I really I mean, in my teaching philosophy overall really just exploded. Yeah. And the way I was engaging kids and, and the questions I was asking them. And all of a sudden, I found so many more kids engaged in what they were learning. Then we get the, the emails or the tweets to us or the messages that kind of say the same thing. Like there was a teacher in Israel that messaged us and said, you know, your message and your the things you're doing are impacting my teaching. And I'm thinking differently about things. And it's just it's really humbling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it, it's, it is really humbling, but that's why there have been times, and I think <laughs> we're, we've definitely been on this crossroads this year where so, we've like, you know, can we continue to do this? Is this something that as parents of, of three kids that are highly involved in activities and, you know, we've both got full-time jobs, is this something we can continue to do? And every time we try to step out of it, we get one of those messages that you just- pat on the backs verbally from somebody that, shows us that what we're doing is valued and what we're doing is important and what we're doing is productive. People are so, so thankful and so grateful. And we're just like, how do we not, how do we not because we see the need for it? Well, that kind of leads me to your next project that started not too long ago, which is your guys' podcast, the creativity departments. So let's talk about that and kind of where that originated from. The creativity department is actually the second incarnation (laughs) of of our podcast. podcast. So really it's an outgrowth of of the chat. We were getting message that you guys have these amazing people moderating the chat. We'd love to hear more from them. You get like a really great artist or great, you know, teacher or whoever. We'd love to hear. You want to hear more. They want to hear more. Mm -hmm. So the first year of the podcast. So we had a a sponsor that helped support that and it was wonderful and great. And uh, we got out, a lot of episodes that first year and it, it did okay but this this second year we did we went on our own and solo mm-hmm. so we changed the name the name of the, the uh, podcast is we really we stole it but we, we asked if we, we could stole steal it. it and we got permission to steal it and you know as the as the saying goes steal like an artist and so two years ago we were at the national art association convention conference and one of the keynote speakers that they had was peter reynolds and we had connected to him quite often actually just before that and he had used this term creativity department and Laura and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, that is a really good description because it's not just like we've said over and over again today. It's not about art. It's not just about art. It's about, you know, connecting those lessons creatively, letting the kids show their understanding creatively. And if they're able to, the kids are able to explain it, then in a way that makes sense to them. And but they do it in a maybe a different way, but it's still hits all those assessments that you're trying to get at. But, you know, so we took that idea and just turned it into that. And it's, it's just really, it's taken off. It's, it's been quite, quite strong. Yeah. So the creativity department, also one of the things that's nice about it is I think about it, it's kind of like, even though we're not a faculty together, we are a faculty. Like we're, we're, Mm -hmm. like Matt said, we're cultivating all these amazing educators and artists and authors and, you know, all these people 
and they're part of the creativity department. They're all creative. They're all creative in different ways, but they're still all very much creative. We have a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's always fun, but right now the creativity department is, is going strong. For our listeners, I always like giving a piece of advice. So for those who are looking to aspire to become a leader someday in some aspect, and maybe they have a title and maybe they don't, what is one piece of advice for them starting tomorrow or maybe <laughs> once we get back to campus, um, whatever that may be, what can they do to make an impact and improve their leadership skills? I, l- I like your podcast name, Aspire, because that's, I think, I don't I don't aspire to be like Sarah Bonzer, but she's always been my mentor and kind of a guidepost for me like I think of her as and she's not the only one I can name several others but um Karen McDonald my principal at at East was also you know there were just traits about their leadership skills that I aspired to that I admired greatly and then I thought you know those are the things that people will follow and you know consistency always putting kids first, you know, those, those were the things that my heart and my teacher heart loved about them. So those were the things that I wanted to make sure to model for people that I lead. And Bert Smith is one of those people that he was my principal at one of my schools. He's now an assistant superintendent in, in South of us in Texas and relationships mattered a lot. And I just, I try to look at all the people that I think are great leaders and really pull from their traits and, and model that and, and reflect on it. And I really, I think about my leadership as much as I think about anything else, because if I can't inspire teachers to be the best that they can be, then kids aren't getting the best they need. So I would say just really reflect and, and look at those traits in, in people that you admire and ask them, talk to them. And, and then have discussions around leadership because it's not easy. It, it isn't easy. I mean, for some people, I do think that some of it comes a little bit more naturally, other people, not so much, but that doesn't mean you can't be a leader. You just need to learn. And, and just like anything else, it's, it's something practice. you can learn and you have to practice. Yep. I mean, I, I would have to say that, you know, being in the electives, being in specials, it takes work to be successful. It takes takes a lot of effort. And even though it doesn't feel like you're making an impact, you are to someone and that's, that's what needs to keep you going. The job of teachers, you know, we always say it's a ripple effect and we don't ever really see the result of the ripple. I mean, my dad is a prime example of that. He taught someone early in his career. He was, you know, taught for 30 years where he was also a coach of wrestling and football. And a former student of his from his first couple of years of teaching and coaching messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, I just, I can't, you know, I can't get a hold of your dad, but I just want, I want this message to get back to him about what an impact he made on me. And as a teacher myself, that was something I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Keep that motivating you as an educator that you are making an impact, even on those kids you may struggle with or, that you know are are the most difficult those are the ones that you're probably making the most impact on and the ones that need you the most yeah exactly matt and laura for those who are listening and want to connect with you on social media or through your website how can they connect with you our website is grunlerart.com 
you know, we also do some consulting as well. Um, we've done professional developments where we've come out to, to school districts and done, you know, things like that. Um, so all of that information is on there, but you can find us through Instagram and Twitter. Grunler Art is Laura's handle and mine is ArtGuy76 on Twitter. At this point, you know how they talk about the digital footprint. (laughs) If you type in our names, names, you'll find find us. us, Yeah. But if you type it, you have to put in the creativity department or or Grunler Art, either one, you'll find us and um, just search us on Google and and connect with us. We would love to share our passion for arts education and the creative arts and just creativity in general with anyone who wants to listen. And I'll definitely put all those links in the show notes. So if any listeners want to listen to their podcast or be a part of the chat or connect with them on their website, and you have a bunch of resources on your website also. So oh, yeah. um, for all the listeners, you definitely want to check that out. And then to the both of you, I just want to thank you so much for, again, reaching out to the masses and promoting art. That's a, a love and passion of mine, but it's good to see other people that are doing it above and beyond the campus level. And I'm just so thankful to know you, to be friends with you, and to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, we appreciate Josh. it, too. So. We feel the same way about you. 